are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. 502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing great, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. It's my birthday. Yeah, I was about to say it's somebody's birthday in the studio, but uh, congratulations on turning 24. I asked you earlier if you felt older and you kind of paused and you went... Nah, no, not really, honestly. I don't really. I don't. Now, I think when I turn, I, I think when I turn 25, I think I will feel older. I think that, that that mark right there, a quarter of a century, I think that's going to make me feel older. But right now, I still, I still pr- feel pretty young. But we've got some Auburn news that broke within the last 20, 25 minutes, I guess, it seems like. Desi Sills not coming to Auburn officially, of course, If you've had your ear to the ground, I'm sure you've known somebody that has hinted at rumors that Desi Seals may not be coming to play basketball at Auburn. Well, now we have official word on that. Desi Seals saying that he's, quote, going home, and home is to the Arkansas State Red Wolves. And home is the third program that he has committed to uh, during his time in college. So, (laughs) uh, you know, initially whenever this guy was brought on, I don't remember what I said on this show, but statistically whenever you look at this guy, he's a different version of Devin Cambridge. A streaky shooter from outside. Obviously, he was very consistent against Auburn, but I I like what Auburn's shooting guard room has right now, and the the loss of Desi Sills doesn't necessarily, like, I'm not not hitting the panic button because think about it. We got a four-star freshman and Katie Johnson coming in. Well, he's not a freshman, but he was a freshman last season moving into his sophomore year. We've got Devin Cambridge, obviously, who has been with this program heading into his junior season and can literally jump out of the gym, and then you've got guys like except Jasper, who are going to play that combo guard role, but I I can see in certain situations Auburn shifting him over to the two. And then you've got Alan Flanagan, who who played a little point guard last year, played a little shooting guard, probably going to play small forward, but if Auburn needs to, depending on their lineup, they can go big and they can put Flanagan at the two. So I'm confident in Auburn's shooters that they've got right now. Auburn would have gone three deep at that position, and then they would have had guys to fill fill up that third spot had somebody transferred. And obviously, Desi Sills transferring out of Auburn's program. I'm a little disappointed that that the situation was not clear whenever Desi transferred. From what I understand, there were a lot of issues with him academically, not because his grades were bad, but because he was simply just ineligible for this season. Uh, that's what I understand. Or I may be wrong on that. credits weren't right. for his major at Arkansas. We're having transfer. a hard time transferring over to Auburn. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that stuff doesn't get ironed out. And, and it stinks for Desi Sills to not be able to come and play at Auburn, a team that could be competing for a national championship this upcoming year. And instead, he's going to a program that's going to try and hope, at least hope, to compete for a Sun Belt championship. Right, and even then, it's it's skeptical to, to say that 
Arkansas State could could finish at the top of the Sun Belt because the Sun Belt's got some pretty good teams that are on the rise. One of them being obviously South Alabama. Uh, to former Auburn point guard Tyrell Jones on that team. Shout out to him. But I'm, I'm disappointed they couldn't, like you said, iron iron those things out before they before Desi got to Auburn. You would think that there would be enough communication between these two schools, Arkansas and Auburn, where they would understand the situation going into it. It's like, okay, we've got a guy in Sills that wants to transfer, and Auburn's like, okay, well, we've got a spot for him. Let's work this thing out. Let's, let's get his credits transferred over you, you would think that there would be enough communi- communication to where that wouldn't be an issue and they would understand that going in that 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 there was an issue or there was no issue so considering I- that Auburn has several other transfers coming in and there were no problems on that side and this coaching staff has been around for quite some time not just at Auburn but in the game Bruce Pearl's been around for 20 plus seasons now in division one college basketball alone I would imagine that was not an Auburn issue. I'm, I, I, I had to guess. I don't want to say that Arkansas hoodwinked Auburn or anything like that, but there's definitely some sketchy stuff going on because, like you just mentioned, normally that's not an issue. And Auburn's had four or five other guys that they've gone after and gotten that have not had that issue before. So how it happens with Arkansas... So what happened here? Right. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense. Something's not right. It's not just like it just happened and it was just an accident. Something something intentional went on behind the scenes. And it was. It, and I'm not saying that Arkansas is like, oh, they're doing Auburn dirty, but I mean, like, there's definitely some sketchy stuff going on because that it, it just doesn't happen first thing that I said to you off air when you came into my office and told me about this I said well it's not a death blow right it stinks though that that's what I mean by that it's not a death blow for Auburn you look at the roster of course you would like to have Desi Sills on it that's why it stinks now I believe you're down to six backcourt players across those two or three positions the way that Auburn runs their system, you really have three guards and then you have two players in the front court, two wingers and then one point guard for Auburn. So I would say that th- this hurts Auburn from a depth standpoint, especially from having a true shooting guard position, but also having someone else that can tote the basketball up and down the floor as a point guard. Desi Sills possessed that that ability. Now you're pretty much looking at Zepp Jasper and Wendell Green as your two major ball handlers and if one of those guys were to go down with injury well your room just got a whole lot thinner just yep. like it was this past year with Sharif Cooper running the point and then when he got hurt then you were back to Alan Flanagan so it hurts from a, a depth standpoint of actually having people that are comfortable handling the basketball that's the biggest blow for me it it, it doesn't really scare me from a scoring standpoint Auburn has scores in this backcourt Alan Flanagan above all of them Wendell Green Jr. as well we've talked about his scoring ability as a ball dominant point guard and then you go from there Devin Cambridge has shown the ability to explode and throw up a 20 point night that could win Auburn a basketball game Zep Jasper averaged more he averaged somewhere around 14 points per game last year he showed the ability to score at College of Charleston does that translate to the SEC we'll see but across just those four players alone and then KD Johnson was a double digit guy in the epitome of efficiency almost forgot about the Georgia transfer epitome of efficiency when you're averaging 13 points a game across 22 minutes a game at Georgia last year Georgia was anything but efficient as a basketball team you talk about that backcourt there's efficiency in scoring 
it doesn't hurt Auburn from scoring I think this hurts Auburn more from a ball handling perspective especially if somebody were to go down and get injured between Wendell Green and Zeb Jasper yeah I think that's incredibly I, I, I completely agree with you I think that's incredibly accurate as far as scoring goes you know you've got three guys that at least average 13 and a half points per game Jasper averaging 15.6 Green averaging 15.8 obviously like you mentioned Katie averaging 13 and a half off the bench for Georgia in just 22 minutes all those guys were really really efficient scorers and could actually score it from deep they could shoot it from deep something that Auburn has not had I think consistently since Bryce Brown and Jared Harper left but I agree with you whenever you look at these guys on roster that are in the backcourt you've got Window Green Jr. who can handle the ball. You've got Zeb Jasper who Jasper who you can handle who can handle the ball. And Katie Johnson, I would say maybe can handle the ball, but I would much rather have Jasper or Green in that role. Desi Sills another one of those guys. Whenever you watch him on film last year, he's comfortable. Devin Cambridge is not going to be your guy bringing bringing it up the court. He's not comfortable with the basketball in his hands he's somebody that that can spot up and shoot it that's what that's his role catch and shoot guy catch and shoot guy he can get he can catch lobs and he can play defense because he sits six foot six I agree with you the 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 biggest loss for Auburn here is another ball handler and you say well Auburn's already got two or three of those on the roster why is that an issue well if you watched any of any of Auburn basketball last season, you would know whenever Auburn doesn't have a ball handler on their roster, things can go really, really badly for the offense in a hurry. The loss of Sharif Cooper and not having him for those first 10 or 11 games really, really hurt Auburn's momentum and chemistry as a team because they couldn't get in sync, they couldn't get the offense going, and they didn't have a leader to look to because nobody could handle the basketball everybody everybody had a role but that role was not carrying the basketball and spreading it around the court Auburn has to have two or three of those guys at minimum on this year's roster in case injury happens or in case they they decide that that the guy that they started is not the guy that they want to go to and they want to shift to somebody else why do I say that well you look at Tyrell Jones he started at the point guard last year and Aubrey thought hey this is a guy that can carry the ball around and he could shoot it a little bit but he's definitely our best ball handler now that Sharif Cooper's out and you see him play for those first two or three games and you go oh this is not who we want running our point. Let's get our shooting guard, Justin Powell, to do it. If Auburn finds himself in a situation like that this season, they say, okay, Wendell Green's a little too young. Let's go to a guy like Zepp Jasper or Katie Johnson. Having the addition of Desi Sills as a depth piece, like you mentioned, was really important for Auburn. But from a scoring standpoint, he was irrelevant because Auburn's got more consistent shooters on this roster. So while I think it's 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 a it's important to note that Auburn's losing that ball handling ability overall Auburn's got Auburn does have three or four guys on this roster that can do not exactly what Desi did but do similar things to what he did and I would argue a little bit better so if Auburn was going to lose somebody off this roster to the transfer portal I would probably put Desi Sills up there not because he left I'm not saying that because he left now I'm gonna rag on him I I would have said that before he committed or during his commitment I, I think that this is a loss, but it, like you mentioned, it's not a death blow. Auburn's got pieces. And if you'll go back to when we first heard about Auburn's recruitment of him and he leaked out his, his top two was Auburn and Texas A&M, and then he deleted it. Do you remember that all I the do. way back over yeah. a month, month and a half, maybe even two months ago? It's hard to believe that it's been that long, but you go all the way back to when we first saw Desi Sills' recruitment to Auburn. I, I, I question whether or not Auburn actually needed Desi Sills especially someone that wants to be a ball dominant player the way that he was talking about himself when he left Arkansas he calls himself a certified bucket talking in the third person 
And it kind of made it sound like when he was saying that he wanted to go to a place where Desi could be Desi, it kind of made it sound like he wanted to be a focal point. And I didn't see that with him at Auburn because I didn't even think he was going to start at Auburn. And so maybe this ends up, you know, he could go and be the focal point at Arkansas State. I would hope that he's the best player at Arkansas State. He's been one of the best players at Arkansas over the last two, three seasons. I think he would have been a great addition for Auburn, but it was more of a luxury rather than a necessity for Auburn this season to get back on the map. He was just a, he was just part of the wealth of riches for this Auburn basketball team right. in terms of the talent on the roster. Like I said, this is not a death blow for Auburn, and uh, they, they, they can move on from it. The question is now on the recruiting trail, is there someone out there to possibly fill that scholarship void for? Because now Auburn has two scholarships available for the 2021 season or do they just sit on it those two scholarships now made available because JT Thor staying in the NBA draft and Desi Sills decided to go to Arkansas State well here's my thought uh, about Auburn potentially picking up somebody else in the transfer portal even before Desi committed Walker Kessler committed and Katie Johnson committed Auburn had a lot of mouths to feed offensively. They've got Wendell Green, who we all agree is a ball-dominant point guard. They're going to have a combo guard in Zepp Jasper, who averaged 15.6 points per game at Charleston. Don't tell me you don't think he's going to be able to get some minutes and shoot the ball a little bit this season. And then now that you have the addition of guys like obviously Jabari Smith, who who will be a focal point of this Auburn team, both offensively and defensively, bring in after Desi commits Katie Johnson, another dominant guard in his minutes at Georgia, and then a guy in Walker Kessler, who who is going to become more of a focal point offensively than he was at North Carolina. There's no room for Desi Sills necessarily because Auburn's got better players on the roster that are that are more consistent. So if they're going to go on this recruiting trail, they got to get somebody that they don't have to feed immediately. Get a ball handler, but get somebody that knows he's going to be a depth piece and is comfortable with that. Don't get somebody that thinks they're going to be a focal point and thinks that they're going to be who they want to become, which is the leader of a team. Also think that this means KD Johnson's role will increase for Auburn in 2021 slash 2022 which can only be a good thing it is only a good thing that kd johnson's role will increase in the absence of desi sills now because you talk about efficiency 13 points a game in 22 minutes for kd johnson last year at georgia i'm kind of shocked that he only played 22 minutes a game when you're putting up those types of numbers now he's got a chance to put it on full display without having to share minutes with someone that would have been an upperclassman in this league. Now this can become a little bit more of KD Johnson's spot rather than sharing it with Desi Sills off the bench. Right, and whenever you look at Georgia as a team last year, you know they had some they had some issues just as a team as a whole. And I, I believe nine Georgia players have left the program this offseason, including guys like KD Johnson. But the guy that was ahead of him was Severe Wheeler, and Severe Wheeler didn't necessarily come on come into himself until late in the season and that's when we saw Katie Johnson's minutes start to decline they were kind of sharing that point guard role and they were both putting up good numbers but then Wheeler finally found himself as an offensive player towards the end of the season and Georgia started to nod more towards him and you saw Georgia started putting up a lot more points and I look at that LSU game I look at that Alabama game uh, Wheeler had a triple-double in that in that LSU game, I believe. But I, I think Katie Johnson for Auburn after transferring from Georgia, he is going to be able to get a lot more minutes, especially now that Sills is gone. And like we've talked about, incredibly efficient during his time 
as a reserve at Georgia. Now, I have some concerns because the last couple of times I've seen Auburn go into the transfer portal and get a guy that I was like, dang, they're really consistent as a backup. You see guys like Javon McCormick transfer into the program, and as a backup, he was incredibly consistent. He was shooting really well, both from the floor and from three, and then you put him in a starting role, and his numbers didn't necessarily go down dramatically, but they weren't what they were as a backup, they weren't as consistent. So my concern is, is in year two, Katie Johnson going to continue to be consistent or is he going to fall off a little bit now that he's taking more shots and he's more involved in the offense? I don't know the answer to that, but if you're scoring 13 and a half and 22 minutes per game, you, you, you're showing a lot of promise and put him in a Bruce Pearl system. And I think he's going to thrive. When we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about the traction for a 12-team college football playoff that Pete Thamel reported last night from his Yahoo Sports account. We'll talk about that. What does all this mean? Also, Alabama football definitely ahead of the curve when it comes to scheduling in response to the fact that the game is changing in college football and what the playoff could look like in the next couple of years. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Tuesday edition of the show, and that means Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on the line with us. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I'm all right. How are y'all? We're doing great, and we got a lot of things to go over here on today's show, but just a little bit before we went on air, Desi Sills announced that he will be going to Arkansas State instead of Auburn. will be staying in the state of Arkansas but transferring to uh, to his third school, and as much as this year, it seems like, what what do you make of this situation with Desi Sills? Yeah, it was a tough break for Auburn. I mean, Desi Sills was a perfect fit for what they wanted um, and, and what they really needed in their backcourt this offseason. You know, last year, Auburn, very inexperienced backcourt, uh, you know, struggled to, at times defensively at the guard spots, and Desi Sills brought both of those things to the guy who was, kind of an off-and-on starter at, at Arkansas for, for three seasons and uh, a really good on-ball player and uh, offensive game that really fit what Bruce Pearl likes to do uh, with his guards. Um, so, I mean, in that in that instance, it was it was really a match made in heaven. But um, as it's gone, there's uh, there were some academic hang-ups uh, here. I don't know all of the details of what went wrong and why, but something to do with, with transfer credits and, and not being able to kind of bring them over majors and stuff like that and so it would be better off for him going somewhere else and staying in state with arkansas state uh made sense for him to be you know you know academically eligible right away um you know there instead of uh at auburn and it was kind of a back and forth thing so uh, it's a loss for auburn for sure uh because uh, i think he was going to be a key player uh for the tigers um you know probably off the bench and be very interesting to see if bruce pearl uh goes after another guard here uh, in the next month or so, uh, or if they stand pat with the 11 guys they've got. I think either way they go, they're in a good spot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, decided to push for a little bit more depth now that Sills is going to be a Tiger. It's kind of a bizarre situation. We're trying to figure out how this happens because you talk about four other guys transfer into the Auburn program other than Desi Sills. Bruce Pearl's been in the game for over 20 years, and you haven't seen anything like this. It's kind of a bizarre situation that that something like those academic credits isn't ironed out. This is it's kind of a strange thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know it's so rare. And there was like the last couple of weeks, we had kind of heard back and forth stuff that was like, oh, you know, he probably isn't going to be able to come. 
uh, oh no, actually this this is probably going to be worked out. Um, so it seems pretty good, and then and then it's like, all right, well no, he's not going to be able to come here. Um, that makes me think like you know it's some weird kind of technicality or something like that, something with Arkansas uh, and and the and the certain major he was in. It's really really weird, and uh, I haven't been able to get kind of like a clear answer on how something like this goes about. Uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's a lot of people behind the scenes, um, you know, with, uh, guys getting them academically eligible and stuff like that. And there's a lot of work that goes into this process. And, uh, usually it's really, really smooth sailing. And for, for some reason this time it wasn't. And, uh, so Sills is going to have to play, you know, non-SEC ball this year. So moving forward and looking at the Auburn basketball roster, something that I said a couple of segments ago, it seems like KD Johnson would be the player that would see an increased role because of this this transfer out of the program. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. And the other one I'm looking at kind of a little bit more closely now are two guys in particular. I think are Devin Cambridge and Chris Moore. Just because if Auburn doesn't go get another guard, um, you know, in the transfer portal or if they pick up a late uh, high school guy or JUCO guy that hadn't committed or signed anywhere yet. Um, if they decide to stand pat with the 11 that they've got, that's enough for a rotation. It would actually be one of the deepest rotations that Bruce Pearl has had at Auburn. Um, you know, probably the deepest rotation he's had at Auburn. Uh, and it would just be one of the things where, you know, Katie Johnson would be your guy at the two. Uh, Devin Cambridge, we know, can play the two. That's where he played most of his minutes last season. Uh, for the Tigers, uh, you know, especially when he was in the starting lineup. Um, and, and then I look at Chris Moore, you know, early last season, it was like Chris Moore probably going to be like a stretch four type of player. By the time he got an SEC play, they converted him into a three. So uh, so um, when you, if you're going to play Devin Cambridge more in, you know, that two position next season, um, you know, if, if you don't get another guy like Desi Sills, I think Chris Moore, that gives him an opportunity to kind of be that primary backup to Allen Flanagan at the three, because you know Auburn's front court is pretty loaded um, because you have, you know, Jabari Smith, uh, Jalen Williams, uh, you know, and then all those centers. Um, you know, Chris Moore's future is going to be on the wing at Auburn. So I think it was one of those situations where, yeah, it looks like it's a clear path for Katie Johnson to start next season for or, for Auburn. And then also I think some bench guys like uh, what we would assume would be Devin Cambridge and, and Chris Moore's roles, those kind of increase – uh, in light of not having a guy like Desi Sills back there to be able to play that kind of combo guard role. Switching over to football now, obviously Auburn's been going at it on the recruiting trail, having some in-person official and unofficial visits with some of these 2022 recruits. Uh, what are you seeing on the Auburn recruiting trail right now? Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, start for Auburn because if you look at the guys that they've got coming in on official visits and even some of the guys on the unofficial visits, Brian Harson's been a man of his word early on. They are going to go out and get guys uh, who aren't necessarily from Auburn's usual recruiting territory. Uh, we've, we've seen the commitments early on for Auburn be very local, and there are some really local guys, in-state guys, uh, in 2022, and especially the 2023 class that they really want to go after. But we have seen an official visitor at wide receiver from Oregon. We have seen a crew of unofficial visitors from Washington State. We saw an official visitor from New York uh, this past weekend. We saw... Uh, we're seeing official visitors lining up uh, from North Carolina, Missouri, Louisiana, uh, you know, in other states uh, here in the next few weeks. So it's it's interesting because I think Auburn is, you know, with Brian Harson, this new staff, you have to do a lot of work because recruiting is about relationships after all. You've got to do a lot of work uh, to be able 
uh, to build these relationships and build these bridges uh, with, with schools kind of around here and, and coaches and players around here. So when you're in your first season, you might want to lean on some places you've been before. We know Boise State, uh, when, when Brian Harson was there, there were a lot of West Coast guys that went out and got um, and you know had to get creative in some areas too. Um, and when you look at Auburn's assistant coaches, um, I think they're kind of leaning on some of their past relationships, you know, past stomping grounds, and trying to make Auburn just a bigger national name because you know you want to base you know most of your your class is going to come from Alabama, Georgia, Florida usually, but I don't think it's going to be as exclusive in those three states as it was under Gus Malzahn. I think Auburn is going to you know trying to find ways to to do things differently, which is the whole Brian Harson model when you're going up against Alabama and Georgia, LSU. You know, Florida, uh, Texas A&M, Clemson, these these big name recruiters in the southeast, maybe going out west and trying to pick off a, a number of guys that fit your program. Um, and, and you might be going up against, you know, less uh, big name recruiters that way. That might be a way to, to you know, snag some snag some talent and, and do do some things differently that can help you bridge that gap that you've got against some of your best rivals. Where does it look like that Auburn may be the most promising this early on right now in the recruiting trail? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting things that Auburn has done uh, in the in recruiting so far is that they have really made a commitment uh, to bringing a bunch of dudes in uh, at the line of scrimmage. We know um, that's kind of Brian Harson's mo. They want to win up front on offense and defense. Everybody wants to talk about the offensive lines. They've got some big, big dudes coming in. Um, you know, they had a uh, had an official visitor from Tennessee this past weekend. He's like six eight, three forty. Um, you know, they've got some big guys on the offensive line, and they're going to continue to try to push uh, there because um, it's such a position in need. And I think on the defensive line as well, uh, they they want to win at the point of the attack. Uh, this is a really good defensive line class coming up in twenty twenty three in state. There's some five stars that are already looking at Auburn. Uh, you know, kind of locally guys. Um, that I think is a big deal as well. There are some other ones, um, you know, you know, from around here that are some high four stars on the defensive line that are really interested in Auburn as well. So I think it's you're seeing early on a really a real commitment uh, to the offensive and defensive lines. We'll see how much that converts into actual commitments here uh, in the next few months. Uh, but uh, they are really casting a wide net uh, to try to get guys that fit their schemes, fit their styles, and just have the size and the power to be difference makers in the SEC up front. Fun question here before we let you get out of here. We're doing an SEC uniform bracket where people can vote mm-hmm. on Twitter. You got a favorite uniform in the league? Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's LSU's. I love LSU's stuff. Um, I like the, the fact that they're purple uh, and gold. That's not a color scheme you see very often, um, especially in college football. I love the I love the gold helmets. I love the fact that they wear white at home, um, which means they pretty much wear white everywhere they go. Um, it's really cool and different. I, I love LSU stuff. I think you put you know in in terms of a complete set. Um, I think I think Auburn's is right up there with pretty much anybody's in the league. Um, and you know if if I had to throw another one in there that I'm just a I'm a yeah I've, I've grown to be a really big fan of is is Ole Miss kind of embracing that powder blue look. Um, you know, especially the helmets. I like that. I like that style. There's so many, you know, red and navy, red and regular blue teams, uh, you know, in college football and in sports in general. So whenever Ole Miss breaks out the, the lighter shade, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So those are kind of the ones I lean to the most. Um, but I think Auburn, you can make an argument that Auburn's got one of the best complete sets because it's just classic, it's clean, uh, and uh, it, it always looks good.
Well, those are our top three seeds in the bracket in that order. There we go. There we go. I mean, that's just good taste right there. That's just good taste, boys. That's right. That's right. Well, tell everybody uh, how how they can use their good taste and go and check out the Auburn Observer. Yeah, auburnobserver.com. Check it out there. Uh, We have got uh, newsletters this week. Uh, I had one yesterday on Rotarius uh, Torrance, the new um, junior college transfer uh, commitment that Auburn's got at the cornerback position. Had one posted up this afternoon after the Desi Sills news, kind of where Auburn goes from here, some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, we'll have a story later on this week about Auburn's pass rush, mailbag. We've got a podcast coming out tomorrow morning as well. Uh, all of that, you can sign up uh, for $6 a month or $60 a year at auburnobserver.com. You get every podcast and you get every story emailed right into your inbox. Uh, but you can check it out there. So, uh, yeah, sign up there and uh, follow me on Twitter at jferguson.au. Justin, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good evening. Y'all too. Y'all be good. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on the line with us for the Tuesday edition of the show. Great minds think light. Some great taste there in uniforms. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the LSU uniforms. I love the Auburn uniforms. A lot of people really like those powder blues, but I like the traditional navy blue Ole Miss uniforms. Those are really nice as well. We'll talk about that SEC uniform bracket when we come back on the other side of this break. You're not going to want to miss what's going on on our social media pages. Stay tuned. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama going to continue our make or break series we're actually going to wrap it up here this is our last sec team it's hard to believe we've gone through all 14 after today but for the last i wouldn't say that it's been two weeks but it's, it's been a little bit more than that we have done make or break factors for every single team in the sec for the 2021 season today we finish up with the georgia bulldogs yeah, that's right. And you and I were talking a little bit off air about some of the important things that they're going to have to be able to do to win at the level that Georgia fans expect them to this season. And there are two or three, but whenever we are looking at Georgia's schedule, I came back to one game in particular, and I'm going to say this is my most important at the top make or break factor for Georgia outside of all the, the, the like, returning production issues and scheme issues and and all those different things my most important question is can Georgia beat Clemson that is my make or break factor for 2021 for Georgia it's the most important thing because if they beat Clemson they have a very good chance to run the table regular season wise lose to Alabama in the SEC championship and still get in the college football playoff especially if Alabama and Clemson are still vying for a college football playoff spot if they lose to Clemson then they they I'm really really uncertain about their future because if they lose that's one loss and if they lose in the SEC championship game Assuming that they get there, that's two losses, and you're, you're most likely not going to get in the playoff after that. There's probably going to be a team from the Big 12 or the Big 10 or somebody like that. Maybe we see the Pac-12 get in this year. Maybe we see a team like Cincinnati get in this year at that four spot. Who knows? But the most important thing for me is week one in, in Charlotte. Can you beat Clemson? And I think Georgia has the tools to do it. It's just whether or not they can. 
that Clemson game is definitely what I'm determining as a make-or-break factor for Georgia this season. But what's funny is, you know, in, in the name make-or-break factors, you would say that beating Clemson either makes Georgia or losing to Clemson breaks them. I kind of have an asterisk there because I think it very much so can be a make-or-break factor for Georgia. Beating Clemson puts them into that realm of insurance, as you've mentioned, where beating Clemson means they can lose to Alabama and still make it into the college football playoff, which is where some folks out there will grumble, we need a 12-team playoff. I'm like, look, Georgia's one of the four best teams in the country. Put them in. All right, don't don't grumble. It's possible to have two of the best teams in the country in the playoff, right? I, I don't want to go off in, in, into that tangent, but still, if, if you beat Clemson, say that Georgia is fighting for that fourth spot in the playoff, Clemson definitely would be in that same boat. They will take Georgia instead of Clemson because Georgia beat Clemson. Right. So this is a big game in the college football playoff scenario because this could be a tiebreaker at the end between two teams vying for one of two or just one crucial spot left in the playoff. On the other side, if they lose this game, it could end up being a factor that breaks Georgia at the end of the season because it puts them into a must-win situation against Alabama in the SEC Championship or whoever comes out of the SEC West, which is an extremely, which has been an extremely comfortable matchup for the SEC West if you look at the history aside from Auburn's loss in 2017. The SEC West team typically ends up being the best team in the SEC. So whether it's Alabama or not, Georgia will be in an extremely uncomfortable situation going into the SEC Championship if they were to lose to Clemson. It puts them into a run-the-table situation because outside of that, I don't know if you have enough evidence with their SEC East schedule to say, with two losses that this is a playoff team right and the way that I'm looking at it is the reason I have it number one on my list and why it's so important is because I'm I'm assuming and that's a really bad thing to do but I'm assuming if they get to Atlanta they're going to lose to Alabama because Kirby has not been able to get over the hump yet history shows if they match up with Alabama Bama's probably going to win so that's the reason that's my reservation about this SEC championship game is that I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Georgia's not going to be able to do it and be able to beat this Alabama team albeit if there was a year to do it it would be this year but history shows it's not likely and I want to come back to that thought why it could be this year on the other side of this phone call we got Shane on the line with us calling in Shane how you doing today my man hey I'm doing good guy I'm just wondering except for this one second wait that you just said a second ago why do you keep putting Alabama in the championship game before the season starts you're the only one. Just a second ago, you said, uh, uh, and or somebody else that comes out. That that was that was the first time you said that. But it's like, well, why are we playing? Why is anybody else playing? If if this is it, I mean, like you know, Alabama's in it. You just got to beat the, the, the Clemson and then Alabama at the end of the year. It just it, it's a I don't know. It makes me want to turn the channel sometimes, guys. When I look at the SEC West, Shane, and, and, I, and I'm predicting out this year, which it is the offseason, so you got to give us credit. We, we do have to talk about something and predict something. And, and so predicting Alabama, when I look at the rest of the conference, and I see what Alabama's got coming back, and I know they lost a lot on offense, but they bring back a ton on defense. There's so many more questions about everybody else in the SEC West. I could come up with a litany of them for everybody else in the SEC West, whereas – 
Alabama's the right, team so that's actually capable Alabama of going back. Alabama lost their quarterback, lost their running back, lost their offensive coordinator, but they're going to win regardless. And see, that that's the thing, is and like realistically, like if you look at another team in the SEC West, if they lost that same thing, it'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. They're probably not going to be the same. Look at LSU from 2019. Really good team. Lost everybody. 2020, nobody thought they were going to be good, and they weren't. But Alabama historically, time and time again, whenever they have lost those key guys, those key players, and coaching staff, whenever they've lost offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, training guys, they, the they've been able to rebuild. Yeah, it's because right, right, historically, right. So what they have done, what they have done, not what they, what they, what they may do. And it's, even on paper, what they what may they, do they is probably it, it, it's it's realistic to say that they win the conference this year because you look at them on paper. And again, like Noah mentioned, there's a litany of issues with other SEC West teams. And whenever you look at Alabama, paired with the fact that yeah, they've been able to reload, good as Alabama. So so everybody else has issues, and, but nobody's nobody's good as Alabama. So. Well, I don't think that that's true. Of course, still play the season, and we've seen teams upset Alabama and 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 in their year in a very negative way. Most notably Auburn. Of course, you look at it. Auburn has won two straight at home against Alabama, but I I, I don't think that you could discount what Alabama's done with their track record and say, well, this year is going to be different. Shane, sell me on why this year is different. Because because. Some year will be different, so why not this year? I, I'm sorry, he is a he's an excellent coach, excellent recruiter, blah de blah de blah. But it's not going to uphold uphold every each and every year until the dude dies. I mean, he just extended the contract for another what eight years or something. It's, it 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 has to end at some point. Half of it is 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 is, uh, is how good they play and and their and their and their five stars. But a lot of it is luck, or the other teams are down. And right now, uh, I say A and M's, A and M can handle. Oh, Ole Miss should have beat them last year. Uh, it's just a lot of things go their way. And you know, why why could it not be this year? Just because if they have before, it's an easy way. It's an easy, you know, it's an easy pick to pick them because they they have one. So it's easy for everybody to say it's safe for them to say that they will because through Alabama and you can't pick anybody else that would be too ballsy well I mean you have to look at this too you ask why can't it be this year I'm gonna say when it, this this dynasty will end when the recruiting gets worse no matter what Alabama has been the number one team in the SEC barring maybe one season when Georgia was number one in recruiting in the so SEC they lose their quarterback their running back their top three receivers and they just just pick up where they left off last year and they will pick up right where they left off last year. And and it's something I mentioned before. Right, yeah, that's, we, where we, that's where we end up going, guys. I, I'll, I'll, I'll try you again in a couple weeks. <laughs> I appreciate it, Shane. That was Shane on the line with us. Number to call, 334-321-1390. If you d- disagree with us, take a shot. We want to hear from you. Why is why why would this year be different? Yeah. Well, I, I want to know, why is this year different? Well, I, I know there's a lot of folks around here that want to hope that this thing's going to end this year. But to just say every season – well, this year's the year that it's going to end because eventually it's going to end. The, 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 I, I don't buy that rationale because I'm looking at facts, and the fact of the matter is Alabama is signing top three, top two recruiting classes, most of the time number one overall recruiting classes. They just signed the highest-rated recruiting class of all time. The fact of the matter is they've got the best players in the country. The, the only two teams that come close 
to having the best teams, to having the best players in the country is Ohio State and Clemson. Right. Nobody else. And, and, and there's a massive gap between Alabama and, and, and Georgia and everywhere and everybody else in this SEC. It's those two teams that are at least in the same hemisphere. Everyone else is on the other side of the planet in recruiting right now. I will give I will to give two points in Shane's corner. One of them being optimism and having hope that the, the that there will be parity in the college football landscape. I like that. It'll I, happen I'm, one day. It will happen one day. And, at the, and also, I said right before we started talking with Shane, is like if there was a year for Georgia to take over Alabama, it would be this year. I'm not predicting it to happen just based off of what I've seen in the past. And I know he says, well, you, you have to focus on what's happening this year. Okay, in, in which case, I, I give that to you. If there's a year that Georgia's going to do it, George, this would be the year for Georgia to get over to hump, the, the hump, win the SEC, and compete in the college football playoff, if not win the whole thing. But it, there's just so much talent that they've continued to bring in, and there's so there's so many different times that Alabama's lost a quarterback, lost a Heisman winning running back, lost an offensive coordinator that made that offense go. But it, it's it, it's they just continue they continue to reload, and I understand Shane's points, and I understand his frustration. It's hard to predict somebody else. Whenever, whenever Alabama's been so consistent. But I will say, if there was a year to predict somebody else, this is the year. We're get, we got another caller on the line with us. Ed joining us on the line. Ed, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, guys. Uh, I was just going to say, did, did y'all watch the game uh, last night, the NBA game? Uh, which NBA game are you talking about? The Nets. The Nets? I kept up with it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 39 points. You see what talent. You see where I'm going with this. I'm agreeing with y'all 100%. When you get as much talent that Alabama and the some of the other schools. And now Auburn, you give them a couple of years. If Brian Harson, I think Dylan Brooks, I think uh, we've done very well in the transfer portal. You know, Echo, Leota, and, and, and some uh, Donald Kaufman and some other guys. But Bama is just in a, right now, it, it is hard to compete with that much talent. And, and, you know, but it, it, not this year. No, it's not going to happen. I don't But, you know, Auburn's got to be realistic. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Appreciate it, Ed. Thanks for calling in, and don't be a stranger. That was Ed on the line with us here. And if you want to call in as well, 334-321-1390. Once again, we really appreciate it. Ed and Shane call again during this segment. We don't want people to be strangers. Phone lines are always open. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up the show on the other side of this break and keep this conversation going. Why could this year be different? Will it be different? When will it end? More of On the Line coming up. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Before we get back to this hot-button issue, when will the Alabama dynasty end? The age-old question that seems like it's been going on for 50 <laughs> years, right? Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the second episode of a new season of America's Got Talent with the auditions continuing at 7 on NBC. It's truly amazing what you can build with an imagination. A new episode of Lego Masters is on Fox at 7. Movie selection for tonight, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 is on Paramount at 6. And live sports, two NBA games are on TNT. The Atlanta Hawks stole Game 1 against the one seed in the Philadelphia 76ers. Game 2 is in Philly at 6.30 at 9 after a group series that went seven games with the Mavericks. The Clippers start the Western Conference semis against the one seed in the Utah Jazz. In the MLB, the Washington Nationals take on the Tampa Bay Rays at 6-10 on FS1. NHL playoffs with two games on NBCSN at 5-30. The action starts with game five between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. Lightning are up 3-1. At eight, it's game five of a tied series between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. We got about seven minutes left in the Tuesday edition of the show. We got another caller on the line with us. Terry calling in here on this Tuesday. Terry, how you doing today? Great, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing really well. What's on your mind? Guys, nothing's going to change. Alabama's going to keep signing big-time recruits. They're going to keep winning double-digit games. As long long as Auburn, the state rival, biggest, their biggest rival is signing guys like Bo Nix, it's not going to matter. Uh, it, it's not. They're, they're just going to keep winning. I find it hard to believe that people out there are saying, well, well, you can win with great defense. No, not really, you can't. I mean, what was Alabama known last year for? Offense, right? That's right. It just blows my mind that there's people that still believe that way. The, uh, guys, 1976 and 1981 ain't coming around no time soon. <laughs> yeah, that is you know? 40 years I, I in just, the past. It just blows my mind. It bothers me a little bit, guys. The question I want you guys to answer real fast is, is T.J. Finley wins the starting job? Does Bo Nix stay at Auburn? Because I don't think most crybabies don't stay when they don't get their way. <laughs> you know, we haven't even taught, talked about that because I, I, I'm really not giving T. and maybe this is wrong for me to do this, I'm, I'm really not giving T.J. Finley that great of an odds to win the job just because I'm really not impressed with what we've seen out of him at LSU. But I imagine but he doesn't stick LSU. around. That's right. And I imagine he doesn't – I imagine if that were to happen, Bo Nix probably would transfer out of Auburn because T.J. Finley's got loads more years of – of eligibility remaining, and Bo Nix would have a, a closing window at that point. So I imagine and a retro be, year. That's right, and I imagine there would be – yeah, T.J. Finley's got four years left to play because right. last year doesn't even count. So he's still got four years, and then and he can get redshirted. So this year he could even get redshirted if he doesn't and win hey, the job. Hey, do you guys mind if I do my invitation to Bo Nix if, you're, if Finley wins the job? I I, I probably would, would save it, Terry. <laughs> well, I want to do it for you real quick. My daddy told me this wasn't supposed to happen. Y'all wasn't supposed to fire Gus. I was supposed to be starting quarterback. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh terry terry that, that that's that's a little unfair i think we lost terry off the line with us so well we, we know he's not a big bow next guy i i can't believe that that call took that direction that, that's <laughs> what i was gonna say was uh, i thought we were about he went off with the alabama something i was like all right here comes bow next boom dropped it on us love it i will say this i'll say this about the alabama dynasty and you and i were taking a look at Alabama's upcoming schedule and in 2027 they go on the road to play Ohio State I think 2027 or 2026 is the year that it ends I'm going to go on record and say that I think that Ohio State game's going to end it I want to go back to this Bo Nix situation I don't don't think we can leave that stone unturned here he asked us a question if Bo Nix were to lose his job I think he would transfer but I think that there will be a lot of teams out there in the market for a former five-star quarterback. And exactly. if Malik Willis blew up like he did at Liberty, 
I definitely have faith that Bo Nix could blow up anywhere else that he lands in a power five. That would be really, really awkward because then it would be like, well, not only could Malzahn not handle Bo Nix, but also Brian Harson and his coaching staff couldn't get Bo Nix right, but another coaching staff could. Uh, if he does transfer and, and he's brought into a, a, a third coaching staff and a third scheme, I would assume that he's not going to go off the charts and, and drop all these t- touchdowns and he will not be focused in having fun somewhere else. He, he, will, he will be struggling, I think. It, that, that would be my opinion. If he's, if he's struggling at Auburn for three years under two regimes, he's going to struggle somewhere else unless it's a group of five school that, that has pieces in place already. With that being said, I'm going I'm to take my time here to defend Bo Nix. I think he I think he wins the job. I don't know how comfortable that competition's going to be for him. TJ Finley definitely seems to be confident coming into Auburn, but based on what we've seen between the two quarterbacks so far on the field, and you talk about the receiver talent that TJ Finley had to throw to and a better offensive line. The situation for TJ Finley at LSU, albeit it was a different physical location on the planet Earth. That's the only thing that was different in a positive way for you know, that I think you could say because he's walking into a situation where the offensive line has to improve and he lost all the receivers on this current depth chart at Auburn. Whereas at LSU, he had guys going to like players like Terrace Marshall and some of these other receivers that are bona fide NFL starters one day. I just have a hard time uh, seeing that the LSU situation was worse than Bo Nix's situation. Bo Nix has, has had one of the worst situations in the entire conference for a starting quarterback. That's uh, I keep coming back to teams like Georgia and Alabama and, and getting these new guys into their scheme and and saying that they will they will survive they will perform not necessarily their fir- their freshman year or their starting year but they're gonna they're gonna perform down the line because of the situation they're stepping into they've got four and st- five star receivers they've got a quarterbacks coach that actually knows what he's doing they've got they've got a scheme that can actually work with top end level talent. Bonix did not have that when he started at Auburn, and he didn't have a defense to fall back on in 2020. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm saying if you're a good team, you should have a defense to fall back on. But he didn't have that, and that that's that stunted his growth as a quarterback. Year three, I've come on the show and I said I, I've said I think he's going to make strides. I think this offense is going to do him a lot of good. Jokingly, I've said that he's focused in having fun, but in reality, I think he is going to take some steps forward. If you want to talk about someone that has had more controversy surrounding him in the SEC than most any other quarterback and where a sector of its fan base is kind of against him, that's got to be a motivating factor to improve, right? It has to be. It has to be, especially if you bring in a, a, a third guy in TJ Finley outside of Demetrius Davis and Holden Jarrett next season, if you bring in a, a transfer quarterback from LSU, that should be motivation to prove to, to, to the entire college football world that you are a legitimate five-star quarterback starting at a legitimate SEC school. He should be able to put in work this offseason and it for it to be shown on the field. He should be special this year. If he, is what we, if, he, if he is what he thinks he is and he is what we thought he was coming out of high school, he will prove it this year. Always love our callers, though. Shane, Ed, and Terry today. We appreciate all of you guys' input and for calling in to us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We're going to have to kill the phone lines now because we're about to get out of here for today's show. But if you want to call tomorrow, the number to call, 334-321-1390. I want to go back to the last question here. Well, we just ran out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> well, well, I think it's important that tomorrow we will come back to when does the Alabama dynasty end? 
And is this year, because we're going on our make or break factors for Georgia, is this the year that Georgia could possibly get over the hump? Because you said that this is their best odds that they've ever had. Yes, it is. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Stay tuned tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the drive with Bill Cameron coming up after us. You know where to find us, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thinking of medical school? Edward Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Auburn has award-winning medical education and research programs. VCOM partners with Auburn University for student activities, research, and sports medicine physicians to care for Tiger athletes. VCOM is providing tomorrow's physicians for Auburn and the surrounding communities. Find out more at vcom.edu. That's vcom.edu. This just in, Auburn Bank has completed their 114th year